Come out and check out the vendors. Have some good food. Take pictures with Santa and stay for the Jingle Jeep and Parade at 530. That's Saturday, December 2nd for the Jingle Jeep and Parade and Market. After the parade, you can see Wayne Toops live at 730. For more information, visit westbatonrouge.net. Welcome to the 12th season of In the Red Zone, talking New Orleans Saints football. And now let's go to Premier Nissan at 6636 Veterans Boulevard, where Metairie meets Kenner. With your host, WGSO radio personality, Mitch Gibbs. Uh, we are live here at uh, Premier Nissan 6636 Veterans Boulevard right here. One hour, we're going to be back on Monday as well, talking about the Saints and the Falcons. We'll be off next Friday for the day after Thanksgiving. I think they call that Black Friday, but uh, they're open every day except for Sunday 9 to 9. And before we talk, start talking Saints football, we're going to start with um, the New Orleans Film Festival. And Nathan Tape is a director, and I saw his movie off ramp. And uh, he's with us right now, so we'll talk to him for a couple of minutes. So, Nathan, uh, thanks for joining me uh, this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mitch. So that was an interesting movie. It was great seeing that you had a full house uh, over at Canal Place, at Britannia Canal Place, and uh, just an interesting story there. So when you when you know, first of all, when you mention the New Orleans Film Festival, which is a great opportunity to get your film shown. So before we get into the film, talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, yeah, New Orleans Film Festival is a great uh, festival. Uh, I, you know, I'm a resident of New Orleans. Uh, I grew up in Mandeville mostly. Uh, always admired the New Orleans Film Festival, and uh, always wanted to be a part of it. So I was very lucky to be able to have our U.S. premiere here at the New Orleans Film Festival. And yeah, we had two sold-out screenings. As a matter of fact, we had one on uh, Saturday at Britannia Uptown, and then the one you were able to attend on Tuesday at uh, Canal Place. Yeah, that was, that was fantastic. It was a really interesting story, um, you know, about, and, and I was wondering if the gathering is a, uh, is a real event, and I, I know because you said that the, uh, the movie's based upon actual events, because that's really interesting how they, all those people go up to Ohio to, to participate in that event, so talk a little bit about that in the movie. Sure, certainly. Yeah, the Gathering of the Juggalos is an annual event uh, where basically uh, the Juggalos, which are fans of the Insane Clown Posse, that's where the culture kind of started, uh, they started uh, going to this annual event, and it's a, it's a concert, uh, the, you know, a few days uh, of a concert. Um, I think it started in 2000. Um, the, the, I attended the Gathering of the Juggalos in 2021, uh, and as you saw in the film, there's a lot of footage of uh, Juggalos at the Gathering of the Juggalos. Um, and uh, it, it's, it is indeed a real subculture. Uh, it's a very interesting and unique American subculture. Uh, and, um, yeah, I found them fascinating. So I thought, let's make a movie about them. Yeah, I mean, you, when, you, when you make movies, you've got to, um, you know, have to write a script. You have to have a great story. And so this one was a really cool story about a subject that a lot of people don't know about unless they're involved with that particular culture. So, I mean, you know, you, you always have to bounce ideas around, I guess, and then you figure out, can I put something together that's going to be uh, something that people are going to have interest in, that it can, uh, I can market this thing, I can, you know, I'll have an audience for it. So I guess that's 
the challenge every every time when you make a new movie. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things we had going in was that we wanted to make a film that would appeal to Juggalos. Uh, we figured that this was sort of a demographic that we could, um, you know, appeal to, uh, not only make the movie about them, but also for them uh, and for others as well. I mean, the film is not only for Juggalos, but we did want to uh, appeal to them as well. And, and uh, one of the things that's been such a great response that we've gotten uh, from New Orleans and from uh, the times we've shown it is that people are it doesn't it's not limited to juggalos everyone is is interested in this film uh and we tried to make it so that you if you didn't know anything about juggalos you could still watch the movie and be educated about who they are and enjoy the story uh in in the film well before i let you go so um you know um what what, what do you got co uh, coming up i mean i know um i don't know if you want people to, uh, to if you're interested in people contacting you to give you ideas or how that works, but uh, what do you got going on uh, in 2024? Well, we're uh, first at the end uh, at the end of this month. I'll go to Los Angeles and we'll screen uh, off ramp in uh, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival. Uh, so that'll be on December 3rd. So if anybody's listening is in Los Angeles on December 3rd, come see us at uh, the Sherman Oaks Film Festival. Beyond that, we plan to sell the film uh, and get it to distributors, uh, and uh, then it will be on streaming, hopefully theatrical release. Uh, that's our plan. We have a sales agent that's working on uh, acquiring a sale for us. Um, as far as uh, what I'm going to continue to do, I do have a couple of uh, feature films already written. My co-writer and I have written uh, two feature films, one called Shell Games and another one called American Monsters. They're both still based in Louisiana. Um, I think everything that I'll ever do will probably, not ever, but I, I like working in Louisiana. I like working in New Orleans. So uh, I like to tell stories typically about people in the South. Um, uh, as far as what other people can do, you can follow me uh, on Instagram, Dan Nathan, or you can follow the film, Off Ramp Film. Uh, and who I'd really be interested in looking into, you know, meeting as people who want to uh, invest in films. Uh, those are the people that uh, I would love to meet, uh, people who are interested in cinema. And, um, you know, for us going forward, we'd love to keep making films in the New Orleans area. Well, hey, it sounds great. It was great meeting you and your, uh, all your other people work with you as well. Great film, uh, great New Orleans Film Festival. So, Nathan, it's always a pleasure. We'll keep in touch with you. We'll spread the word and uh, wish you great end of 2023 and a great 2024 as well thank you so much for having me mitch it's been a pleasure uh have a great one everyone and uh whoop whoop much crown love okay thanks that was uh, nathan tape the director of off ramp new Orleans film festival i believe we've got anwar nasser on with us from the lpo louisiana philharmonic orchestra uh, anwar thanks for joining me this afternoon oh thank you for having me i'm incredibly excited to be here yeah, it's great. Uh, it was great seeing you last night, and uh, what a great performance to see George Gershwin's uh, Porgy and Bess. I mean, it takes me back when I was a kid listening to, uh, you know, that particular music, and George, George Gershwin, one of the great legends, uh, uh, you know, of this kind of genre. So uh, tell us a little bit about that and what you guys got planned. I know we're coming to the holiday season, so I know you do a couple of holiday concerts and what we can look forward to in 2024. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you touched on a lot of things there. Last night was a, a fantastic concert of 
truly, I would say, African-American and Southern music, which was, which was wonderful. So there was everything from the George Gershwin, Porgy and Bess to uh, Edmund Thornton Jenkins' Afrim Suite, which is another uh, operetta that was written um, by a gentleman who actually played in that first band that played, um, that played the music for Porgy and Bess. And then we closed it out with some William Grant Still and, and Margaret Bond. So it was truly a fantastic evening of music. But looking forward, I mean, it's, it's, there's so much activity coming up. I mean, tomorrow night we're playing the iconic uh, Jurassic Park, uh, the John Williams score, uh, you know, the Steven Spielberg film uh, at the Mahalia Jackson. It starts at 7.30, and that's a, really one of the fun things that we get to do. If you've never seen that before, we put the big screen above the orchestra, and they're playing along live as the movie is playing as well. So that's really one of my, one of my favorite things that we have coming up. And then you've got, uh, I know you do your you do a, co- a holiday concert, uh, and then you do a little heavier holiday concert, so talk about those as well. Indeed. We have a, quite a few. I mean, it's a, it's a busy holiday season for the LPO. Uh, we'll kick it off in December, that first Saturday in December with the holiday spectacular. So that's all of the favorite uh, classical, to- classical like pop tunes that you hear during the holidays. So everything from, you know, Jingle Bells to Sleigh Ride. It's just a, it's a really, really fun evening for, you know, all of the family. So multi generational. It's a, it's going to be a, be a great night. And then the coming up after that, the following Friday, um, we'll be doing the a more traditional Christmas. We'll be playing Handel's Messiah, um, and it's it's really wonderful. The entire uh, group of singers, they all have some connections to New Orleans, either born and raised here or went to school here, and that's the you know your your traditional kind of you know Baroque style Christmas program with the orchestra. So it's it's a truly truly fantastic program and a way to celebrate the holiday season. And then the last thing that, that we have coming up, which is, which is really exciting, this is new. We've been doing these happy hours, and we're going to be going to Tipitina's uh, for the first time. And that's going to be on Wednesday, December 20th at 6 o'clock. And that's going to be a relaxed atmosphere, so you can come and listen to some music. We've got some great guests uh, lined up. We have a few folks from Sweet Crew that are going to join us. And also our students from the LPO Academy are going to come and play a few tunes as well. So it's really a, a fun time. You know, this event is, is 18 and up, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a little, it's a fun concert, I would say, for, you know, for the adults. A little something right after work on a Wednesday night, come and hear some music. And, you know, for those of us over 21, you can get a good drink as well. Hey, and uh, we'll, we'll touch base, uh, you know, in the beginning of the year to talk about next year because we're kind of running out of time. But uh, it's important to bring up, of course, the holiday season all those great performances, and then the, uh, the event at Tipitina's as well. And before I let you go, give us the website where you can get all this information. Absolutely. You can go to lplmusic.com for uh, tickets and more information and everything that we have coming up next year. Sounds great. Hey, it, it was great seeing you, uh, Anwar. We'll keep in touch. We'll talk uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks about what you guys got planned after the holiday season in 2024. Have a great weekend, and uh, hopefully I'll see you real soon. Absolutely. You too. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Thank you. That was uh, Anwar Nasser with the LPO, and that was good stuff as well. So we're going to take our first break. We're live here till 6 p.m. at the um, Premier Nice on 6636 Veterans Boulevard, where Metairie meets Canada right off the I-10. They're open every day, 9 to 9, uh, except for Sunday, so Monday through Saturday. They'll be here till 9 o'clock. I'm leaving at 6 to head to the, uh, of course, Son of a Saint Gala over at the um, beautiful Four Seasons Hotel at the foot of uh, Poydrasen Canal. So we'll talk more about that as well. But we're also going to talk some Saints football as the Saints are on a bye week, but they have next 
Sunday, a week from this Sunday, they go to Atlanta, the, the couple of days after Thanksgiving, to play the Atlanta Falcons at a huge, very important NFC South contest. So we'll talk more about that with all our great guests live here till 6 p.m. Premier News on 6636 Veterans Boulevard, where Metairie beats Kenner. We'll be back with more of the show live with three great guests right after these messages. Mitch Gibbs here, host of In the Red Zone in our 12th season for LA Medical Management Corporation, located at 2930 Canal Boulevard, New Orleans, Louisiana. And they are open Monday through Thursdays, 8.30 to 5.30 p.m. and Fridays, 8 to 5 p.m. At LMMC, they handle primary care, physical therapy, and diagnostic testing. With medical doctors on staff, they are the personal injury specialists and the leaders in accident-related health care. Call them today at 504-821-2574. This is Jed Derensburg with DA Exterminating Company. Here's our jingle. Hope it bugs you. DA Exterminating, the real DA is on the way. Take your homes, got fleas, or homes, got bugs. Crime and crime Offer complete pest and termite control featuring the Centricon system. DA Exterminating Company, 800 650 Pest. I'm Dan Mills, CEO of the Home Builders Association of Greater New Orleans. As the voice of the residential housing industry in Southeast Louisiana for over 80 years, we're your home team when it comes to providing trusted advice and professional service. As with any organization, teamwork is the key. Our members benefit from education, advocacy, and networking, all designed to help you achieve your American dream of owning a home. For more information, to find a builder, or to become a member, visit us at hbagno.org. At Fidelity Bank, some of our clients say here for good in Spanish. Estamos aquí para quedarnos. Some say it in French. Ici pour de bon. Vietnamese. Aray, my, my. And even Italian. Oui, per siempre. Because here for good means we're local and committed to our uniquely diverse South Louisiana community. Come see what a difference a local bank can make since 1908. Here for good. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Are you suffering from neck and back pain from a recent car accident? Have you gone to the emergency room to have them tell you there's nothing wrong? Hi, I'm Dr. Steven Tremuda with Doctors Rehab Services, and chiropractic care is one of the best remedies for whiplash and soft tissue injuries. With locations in Kenner, Mid-City, and the West Bank, it's easy to start your road to recovery. At Doctors Rehab Service, we'll even do all the work with your insurance company and attorney to get you the care you really need. For a free consultation or to get more information, call Doctors Rehab Services at 504-465-5553. Call me. Dr. As a financial planner for New York Life, Amanda Saldana helps her clients with a variety of products to meet their insurance and financial needs, including college funding, retirement, managing costs, and lifetime income strategies. Please feel free to contact Amanda to fully realize your financial potential. They have two locations in the Entergy Building in New Orleans on Loyola and on the North Shore in Mandeville. Amanda can be reached at 985-662-2656 or at asaldana one at ft.newyorklife.com Nissan talking uh, Saints versus Falcons also looking at the Saints first 10 games Saints are 5 and 5 and uh, they are in first place in the division by half a game probably be game lead because I expect San Francisco to win at home against Tampa Bay this week and Saints are on a bye week we got Scott Shanley former Saints Super Bowl champion also played at Nebraska but Scott thanks for joining me this afternoon yeah, absolutely. 
Hey, so, um, you know, that, that mini, uh, Minnesota game was a little bit rough. I was there, and uh, it was great going to Minnesota. I hadn't been there in a while. But, uh, you know, and you try to think of the, the positives that can come out of that. And, I'm, you know, I'm thinking of the positives is that uh, the Saints are still in first place. But a lot of people, and I want to get your thoughts on that, because a lot of people, you know, they, they know I do this, so they ask me different questions. And they were asking about the quarterback situation. And I basically told them, that uh, Derek Carr's a quarterback unless he gets hurt. You're not going to pay a guy a lot of money like that and put in another quarterback. Well, because some people feel like Jameis Winston should be playing. Well, he's gotten the opportunity for the second time. If you think about uh, that first uh, situation against uh, Green Bay and now against um, Minnesota. And uh, so I think he's had the opportunities, and it really hasn't worked too well. So I think that Derek Carr clearly is the guy who's going to be the starter. Uh, assuming he clears concussion protocol, he's available next week. I want to get your thoughts on those two quarterbacks and what I've just talked about. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I think I think Dennis cleared that up in the post game because he probably knew with a bye week that there were going to be a lot of questions around the quarterback position and and if there's any controversy. And and I, you know, anytime you pay a guy that much money, they really have to play. <laughs> really really yeah. bad for you to stand them on the sideline that's just the reality of the sport and to be honest i don't think derek's played bad enough to to put him on the sideline i mean you know after the jacksonville game there was about a three-week span there where they were leading the nfl in offense and things started to get rolling it's just been the inconsistencies with this team in general but but really on the offensive side of the ball i don't know i don't know if james solves all, all those problems or any problems to be honest you know james's thing has always been you, if you took Jameis's attributes versus Derek's, I think Jameis, stronger arm, probably does some things better than Derek. But if you turn the football over, it's really hard to win in this league. And I think those are the things that really scare any coach, whether it was Sean Payton or Dennis Allen, really scare them from making Jameis um, the full-time starter like that. Well, and I'll add this uh, because, as you know, I can I give my opinion. I can I can be labeled as being somewhat critical, but not, there was very little interest in Jameis Winston the last couple of years. So that's one issue. So that should tell you something. And his history of turning over the ball a lot, which he's, he did when he was at Tampa Bay. And when you're a backup quarterback, you got to be ready to go. I don't want to hear that. Well, you know, he, he wasn't really ready, and. You know, you put him in in the Green Bay game, kind of, you know, in the second half of the game, and you put him in in this game as well. you got to be ready to perform, and there's your opportunity. And, and uh, Scott, with all due respect, uh, I agree with you. I think Derek Carr would be the starter regardless, unless Jameis was phenomenal, and he really wasn't. And he looked a lot like the guy that played at Tampa Bay, that turned the ball over a lot, but also made some pretty nice plays as well. So I think that the argument is should be over, and we're going to move on, assuming Derek Carr's ready to go next week against Atlanta. Yeah, I think so. There's, there's no question. And, and you know, Jameis's wild moments are impressive, but there's also those oh no moments. And, and it's just it's a matter of when those moments are going to happen because there were some throws that Jameis made, honestly, against Minnesota that I, I thought, you know, Derek would not have made that throw or couldn't have made that throw. And so I think those are the things that keep people going back to let Jameis have a chance, let Jameis have a chance. And it seems like every time Jameis has that opportunity, eventually a turnover or, or a play that you kind of say, why would you do that type play comes up. But you, know, you saw guys get the ball that really haven't been getting the ball in the offense. Bowden, Lynn Bowden Jr. got a ball. 
Uh, Perry got a couple balls from Jameis, and I think that just goes to show you Jameis is comfortable with those guys because those are the guys that he probably throws to most in practice, whether he's running scout team or doing different things. So there, there are definitely – I think Jameis – there are tons of teams around the league that would love to have Jameis Winston come in off the bench as their number two quarterback. I mean, there are a ton of teams that wish their backup quarterback was as good as Jameis. But I don't know if his consistency allows you to, to bench a guy who got $150 million in the offseason. Yeah, now, when, you know, when I look at the statistics, I'm not going through every game, but just like the last game with Minnesota, the, the, the things that keep coming up to me, and I know I've discussed it with you uh, during the games, is the Saints' inability to run the ball consistently. I mean, you look at the – I know they were down early, relatively early against Minnesota, so they had to kind of get into throwing the ball mode, but they only had 65 yards rushing. Um, Kamara only had 42 yards uh, carrying, uh, rushing with nine carries. Um, their third down efficiency was not great. It was four for 14. To me, that we can talk about Derek Carr being inconsistent at times. We can talk about the play calling, which I think is all fair. Some of the decision making uh, by Dennis Allen. But the inability to run the ball consistently has been a problem all season. And their ability to get third down conversions also has been an issue. And so however, however they need to fix that, they're going to be this five and five or six and six team until they get better at those things. Don't you agree? Yeah, and I think to to your point, the third down struggles are tied directly to not being able to run the football because when you can't run the football, usually you're going to get into third and ten, third and eight plus, and your playbook dramatically shrinks in those situations. You want to get into third and four, third and three, certainly any third and five or less is manageable because you can still run the ball, you can run screens, you can run any play you want. So. Yes, the running game has been a, a huge issue, and I think a lot of people thought that would get fixed once Kamara came back after the first three games. There's been glimpses. I think some of the inconsistency with the offensive line play, they've been shuffling guys earlier in the year, led to some of those running struggles. But, but I also know, you know, I think it is hard as a coach. This is just, if you think about when you have, you know, a running game with this defense would, would win you a lot of games, but... I think when you go and you sign a guy in the offseason, give him a lot of money at the quarterback position, you have three really top-flight receivers in, in Thomas and Shahid and, and Olave. You don't sit there and say, can we run the ball every play? I, and I think that's, that's all. Comes, sometimes it's a detriment. When you have all these weapons, how many times can we get the ball to those three receivers? Now Jawan Johnson's back. We've got to get him the ball because he's very talented. You have Taysom Hill. We've got to get him his reps because he's an extremely good football player. And so you start to – whittle it down, there's not enough plays in the game to get the ball to, to some of these guys as many times as you'd like to. And I think sometimes the, the running game is an afterthought because of that. Now, you know, you're, you're a defensive guy, obviously, and, um, and I've made the argument on the show Monday when I got back um, that uh, I think the defense has been inconsistent at times either. I'm not as sold on the, the, the defense being elite. I think they've had great moments and they've had some bad moments as well. And even Dennis Allen addressed that in the press conference after the game in Minnesota. He was like, when we've had a couple of games, like the Houston game, for example, and the Minnesota game where our defense did not play well in the first half, played much better in the second half, and our offense is just not good enough to catch up generally. And so I think that's an issue that needs to be talked about as well. Why the Saints defense has struggled in a, in a handful of games in the first half of, the, of, of these games. No, I agree with you, and, and I think you know, some people gave me a little bit of heat earlier in the year. You know, this was like week three or four, and I said this defense isn't as good as the stats say. And 
you know, at that time, people were like, what do you mean? They haven't given up 20 points in so many straight games, haven't given up a 300-yard passer since 2021. And it wasn't to take anything away from defense. They're still one of the better defenses in the league, but I felt like the stats and all the numbers were kind of skewing where this defense was. And my main argument was, listen, there's no there's no uh, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. There's none of those quarterbacks on this schedule. And I felt like we weren't playing well enough against average guys. Let Just look at last week, Josh Dobbs. If you're in a lead defense, you shut guys like that down. C.J. Yeah, Stroud, okay. fantastic player, going to be rookie of the year. Um, but he, he made it look too easy at times. And I think some of the thing, problems you're seeing with this defense is I would like to see more pressure. I'd like to see Dennis bring more heat. But I also think he's protecting some people on the defense, some, some aging guys who maybe get exposed in one-on-one coverage. So there's a lot of things going on defensively that uh, are kind of masked a little bit, but I don't think they're as, as elite as they were a couple years ago, but still, still a really good defense that a lot of teams would like to have. Yeah, I think there will be changes on the deep. I agree with you. I've heard that from a lot of different people that feel like the, the defense is getting a little bit older and that's become a problem. It's kind of showing up this year, so I agree with you. That. But again, the great equalizer here is seven games left to go and only one team, Detroit, in a couple of weeks is the only team with a winning record. You get to play Atlanta twice as long, three in a row. You get to play Carolina at home, maybe the worst team in the league. Tampa Bay on the road, I'm going to be at that game at the end of the year, which is a very winnable game as well. So the Saints control their own destiny. should have a game lead after San Francisco. I expect to beat Tampa Bay. So what do the Saints need to do? They don't need to do a lot in this division, but what do they need to do to win the division? Mainly they just need to win the games against teams in their division. Yeah, yeah, it's all right there. And, and I know sometimes, you know, every week you watch your team play as a fan, you want to sit there and say, man, we're good enough to win the Super Bowl. But it, honestly, it doesn't matter in, in September and October. It's about how you play in November and certainly in December. And, you know, some some divisions, you're already out of it based on 5-5. Five five. You know, if you're in the AFC North, that, that division is all those teams at one time before Burrow got injured, everybody thought was going to make the playoffs out of that division. So you're sitting here in a division the way it shakes out. And, I, and I've said on our postgame show every week, the silver lining, no matter what the Saints do, win, lose, or draw, is they are in a division that should come down to December and, and a very winnable division. The Panthers are out of it. The Bucks are struggling a little bit. So you like to think it comes down to Atlanta and the Saints, but it, I really say if this team starts to play, just show some consistency and plays to the level of their players on paper, and they, they, they win this division and host a playoff game, I think they can beat anybody at home in the playoff game that, of the teams they're going to play in a wild card game. It's just, can they get to that, that moment? You just need to start playing your best football right now. It's not about what you did in September and being right. inconsistent. If you can start to be consistent right now, win this division, and host a playoff game, who knows what can happen. I agree. Hey, uh, we'll see if that, how that happens. Hey, hey, Scott, it's always a pleasure. Have a great weekend. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. Thank you, man. All right, that was good stuff by Scott Chandler. I agree with what he said, they, but they got to do that. All right, we're taking a break. We'll be back with Gary Smith live here right after these messages. Louisiana Radio Network, I'm Colleen Crane. Low voter turnout is expected Saturday, except in areas with legislative or local races in a runoff. Political analyst Bernie Pinsonat expects voter turnout there will be higher. For example, the mayor's race in Lafayette, incumbent Josh Guillory is in a heated race with the daughter of former Governor Kathleen Blanco, Monique Blanco Boule. A lot of eyes on that one. Can Josh Guillory fiend off a well-known challenger because of her last name, Blanco? 
And in spite of this week's rain, we're still in a drought. Since August 1st, state climatologist Barry Kime says Louisiana has received 6.4 inches of rain, but 15.7 inches would be considered normal for that period. He says that's only about 40% of the normal rainfall amount. We get anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half every single week on average. And getting an inch of rain doesn't really get us very far. And that's why the drought monitor really hasn't changed. LRN. Hey, Louisiana, how are you stopping litter? In Terrebonne Parish, we put our trash in a bag and never out the car window. In Bienville, we bag it, tie it, and put a lid on it. We keep litter out of our lakes in Lafayette. And in Calcasieu Parish, we keep our roads clean by clearing out our truck beds and securing our loads. We need every person in every parish to stop littering and keep Louisiana beautiful. For more litter prevention tips, visit LetLouisianaShine.org. Sponsored by Louisiana Lieutenant Governor's Office and Keep Louisiana Beautiful. Medicaid members, keep your coverage. Update your address, email address, and cell phone number to receive information regarding your benefits. Act now. If you get a letter from Louisiana Medicaid, read it and respond as soon as possible. For more information or to update your info, call the number on your insurance card or visit healthy.la.gov. That's healthy.la.gov. Remember to update all required information before Medicaid deadlines so you don't lose your coverage. This is Jed Derensburg with DA Exterminating Company. Here's our jingle. Hope it bugs you. DA Exterminating, the real DA is on the way. Take your homes, got fleas, or homes, got bugs. Crawling in your walls or on your rocks. Say no to bugs, tell your DA, pick up the phone, we're on the way. We offer complete pest and termite control featuring the Centricon system. DA Exterminating Company, 800-650-PEST. I'm Dan Mills, CEO of the Home Builders Association of Greater New Orleans. As the voice of the residential housing industry in southeast Louisiana for over 80 years, we're your home team when it comes to providing trusted advice. Coming up on Sunday after Thanksgiving on the road in uh, Atlanta, GA. Great town. I really like going that place. I'm not going to be there for that particular game. But we got uh, Gary Smith with the advocate with us now. So, Gary, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Gary, are you there? All right, we're waiting to get uh, Gary. Um, okay, Gary, are you with me? I am with you. Okay, I didn't hear you. Okay, thanks. So, let me add, we're going to cover a couple of NFL and NBA. Let me talk about the NBA first with you, and we'll wrap it up with the Saints. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. get your thoughts on the Draymond Green thing, because I'm in disagreement with, with a and – and I've and I've always been kind of a Golden State Warriors fan. I've always pulled for them. But I, I'm tired of hearing the argument about like, we, we, that this is the way the guy – the guy has to play this way because he's, he's the leader of the team. He's like the enforcer on the team. He has everybody's back on the team. He's helped them win championships. But if we're going to argue that he's won, we got to argue about how many championships they may have lost because of Draymond Green. Because I can think of at least one, obviously, when he got suspended for looking dumb with the whole thing with LeBron James, who just made him look you know, that way. And then even in the Toronto final series, he really didn't show up there either. So if we want to tell the whole story. So I think the suspension is insufficient. This guy keeps doing this stuff, and it, and you can be tough, and you can be an enforcer, uh, but you, that doesn't mean you have to like 
choke people and step on them and things like that. So I'm not agreeing with it. I think this 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 should be a at least a 10, 20 game suspension for him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a problem with it being five games. And I agree with a lot of the stuff you said. That's not acceptable behavior. But they don't. There are not too many five game suspensions handed down. Um, so I. <laughs> I I don't know. Um, he's he's certainly he's clearly gone out of control the last couple of years. And and you're right. I mean, I I guess he he did cost in the Cavaliers series um, back in that final, but they were up three games to one. They still should have been, they still had another home game. They still should have been able to win that series. But yeah, it, it's a problem. You can't behave like he does. And I mean, and 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 last year it messed the team up for quite some time when he attacked his own teammate in the preseason. It's just that it's too too much stuff with him like that, and it's not good for the league. I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with five game suspension though, but I do agree that they've got to take a deep look at whether he's actually helping the team or hurting the team now. Well, he he didn't even get any punishment for what he did to Jordan Poole, which I thought was pathetic. Right. I saw yeah. the video and I was like, this guy, and and they had a chance to get rid of him. Uh, and they just signed the. I would. I would have parted ways. I know a lot of people would disagree with me, but I mm-hmm. think the run's over for them. I think the run's over for. I think they just need to recycle the whole team. You know. You know. Obviously, Steph Curry. Uh, obviously, uh, uh, there are other guys on that team. The Clay Thompson just not the same guy. Steph Curry's playing at as high a level as ever. He's doing fine. But they they need to yeah. move on. They, no, they didn't do that, and it's going to come back to haunt him. It's obviously already come back to haunt him. It, look, they've got about two or three years left with Steph Curry, where he's still where you can win. You can win with him. Pretty much, regardless of who you surround him with. So I agree with you. Why not make over the team and see what you can do? Because it's not. It doesn't seem to be working anymore. They they did not look good in the playoffs last year. Um, they they struggled all the way through. And yeah, I, I would agree that that that, that runs with the current mixture that they have. That runs over. But it, you can reload and bring in new players and have a chance to win a championship as long as Steph Curry's in his prime. Well, I would have I would have done a sign and trade with Draymond Green if I could have done get rid of him. Yeah. Because yep. I don't think you're going to get. I think the best of Draymond Green is in the rearview mirror. On no the, doubt. In regards with in regards to the Pelicans, I know they finally they broke the uh, losing streak. Mm-hmm. They they've had early injury issues. It's a long way to go, so you can't. Yep. Let's not be presumptuous and jump to conclusions. But is are you concerned about the way they've started and all they they've had multiple injuries with multiple players? Yeah. Or are you just what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm, a, I'm always concerned with them a little bit because something always seems to happen, but I don't take this. To me, I think what we've learned already is that C.J. McCollum is the most valuable player on the team, um, and he stabilizes everything w- w- when he's playing and he's healthy. If they still have problems when he comes back, um, then, then, then I think it would be time for concern. But I mean, some of those signs, this, the, the, the lapses of, of what looks like just lapses of effort for long stretches of games, um, the inability to get back on defense, that kind of stuff, that's plagued them in the past. But, yeah, I, I want to see what they look like with, with C.J. McCollum on the court for an extended period of time before I judge this team. When is he expected to come back, you think? Not you know what I, is it, I he could miss, what, another three weeks, I believe? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's you know. Yeah, that's what I heard. Four, right, four to yeah. six weeks is what I heard. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, yeah, and they got to bide their time. But yet, look, home court doesn't mean as much anymore in the playoffs as it used to. Playoff seating doesn't matter as much. Obviously, yes, you do. The ideal is you're not you're higher than seven, so you're not playing in those in those opening rounds. 
but it, it, a lot of season left. I am not convinced that the Pelicans are going to be a really good team this year, but I, 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 I want to, again, I, I want to wait and see before I make that declaration for sure. I'm, I'm willing to say right now, I know we've only played 10 games, I'm willing to say it's going to be Denver versus Boston or Philly in the finals. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with you there. Yeah, <laughs> um, right, Boston's, so... Boston's been the surprise of the league so far this year to me, and, uh, and Denver to me is just, is, they're, they're just straight up the best team in the NBA. In, until somebody, I, I can't see anybody beating them right now. I think Denver's going to repeat because I don't think Boston with that coach can beat them, and uh, yeah. Philly, Philly got a lot better. You know, we, you and I talked about they mm-hmm. made those two good yeah. decisions. Uh, so with that, uh, Monday night, I think is going to be uh, a, a potentially a preview of the Super Bowl, and I I know it doesn't happen. It's only happened very few times, but I really think if I had, if somebody asked me today, the Super Bowl, I'm going to say it's going to be a rematch, and I think this yeah. is a preview. Now, I think something could change, but I don't see anybody beating Kansas in the AFC, and I don't see anybody being Philly in the NFC. What are your thoughts right what? now? Uh, what we're going to see Monday night and going forward. I, I'm not as strong as you. I, I think Kansas City is the favorite in the AFC. Yes, I don't. I, I still I, I like the 49ers in the NFC. I think they're the best team. Um, I, I, Philadelphia has a good record this year, but they have not played as well as they did last year. And uh, I, I, I think it, it, when all is said and done, the San Francisco 49ers, when, when they have Debo Samuel in their lineup, they're the best team in the, in, in, in the NFC. However, Philadelphia clearly the, one of the top two teams, and it, it's a heck of a matchup. And, and I, it, I certainly wouldn't be shocked. Let's put it that way. If, if the Super Bowl repeat, I, you know, I just only one well, team that lost. Yeah, you know, only one team that lost in the Super Bowl has gotten back to the Super Bowl since the Buffalo Bills run from 1990 to 1993, and that was the Patriots one time, and they had Tom Brady as quarterback. I, 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 I'm not as convinced about Philadelphia as you are. Well, and I'm going to just say this, too. Philly probably will have home field advantage if they play San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. I think that's going to happen. But don't I you agree, really with agree with me? Yeah, that can, the game is more important Monday night mm-hmm. to Kansas City because mm-hmm. their margin of error is a little bit – they've got a little more competition yeah. from more teams probably than uh, than Philly does. But I, And I like Kansas City to win. And yeah. I don't think it's going to have any effect on whether they play again in the Super Bowl. But I like Kansas City in the game yeah. on Monday night. I, I like Kansas City in the game, and I, I agree with you totally. Although one, they've got one less challenger now because we can x we can x out since the Bengals. They might not have been there anyway because they weren't playing that great. But we now know for sure that the Bengals won't even be making the playoffs, and they've proven they can beat anybody anywhere, anytime, <laughs> um, um, in, in the playoffs. So it, that make that'll make it a little bit easier for, for the Chiefs to get back. All right, so we'll wrap up the segment with the Saints. And uh, and I just had Scott Chandler on, which he was agreeing with me. Basically, what I've said is I've, I know we've got seven games to go and six of the teams have losing records. Detroit, the only one with a winning record, is going to be tough to beat. I really think it's going to be tough for the Saints to beat them. But uh, also, uh, we're playing four more division games. Atlanta mm-hmm. looks like they're falling apart. They've lost three in a row. Uh, Carolina may be the worst team in the league. Tampa Bay, they got to play on the road on December 31st, which is not going to be easy, but a very winnable game. But the Saints have everything in front of them. They control their own destiny. What do they need to do beyond the fact that we know the schedule is relatively easy, pretty easy? I think they need to run the ball better. I think the defense has to play better because a lot of people think this defense is elite, and I don't necessarily agree. I think they're a little above average, but they've got to play better in the first half of these games. And the Saints need to run the ball more more effectively and be better on third down. That's what I think yeah. needs to happen. I, 
I agree with all those things. The defense is just not played up to its press clippings at all. You, you, you can't be giving up 24 points and a half to, to, to a backup quarterback with, with the Vikings. You can't give up the long runs they've given up, up this year. By the way, I, I, ran, I saw, ran across an interesting stat today that I hadn't really noticed before. The Saints have been favored in nine of their ten games this year, and they're 5-5. Five and five. And the one time they were an underdog was against the Patriots when they, when they won 34 to nothing. So that tells you how they just haven't – lived up to what a lot of people think they can be. I'm not sure they're – I don't think they probably should have been favored in nine games, truthfully. I think they're a little bit overrated. Um, but they're, they're certainly they're, – they're probably going to win the division. But, yeah, the, the deficiencies you mentioned, they've got to correct to give themselves really any chance to do anything uh, in the playoffs. Well, yeah, if I had a mulligan, I would pick the – I picked Atlanta. And when Atlanta was 4-3, and three, I was really concerned mm-hmm. – that the Saints might have to beat them twice. Now I yeah. think the Saints really Just can one. split. Yeah, I mean, they've mm-hmm. got to think the Giants are still on the schedule. So it was another really yeah. bad. The Saints schedule is so easy that <laughs> you shouldn't be surprised that the Saints have been favoring 9 and 10 because the schedule is yeah. it's like the easiest schedule I've ever seen. Yeah. It really I, is. I know. You know? I, I, mocked, I mocked people at the beginning of the year who were pointing out how easy the schedule was. And I was like, it looks like it is on paper, but you never know how it's going to pan out. And then you're right. It turned out to be even easier than everybody was saying it was going to be. It, it is, it's remarkable how, how ridiculous it is. I, I think it's the easiest schedule I've ever seen for an NFL team. Right, and if the Saints were to play a little bit better, they'd probably have like a two-game lead. So, but but anyway, yeah. we'll see. They, they still, with all the problems they've had, uh, hopefully Derek Carr's back uh, week, you know, in a week for the Atlanta game. They still control their own destiny. They really just need to split with Atlanta and win the other mm-hmm. two, in my opinion, divisional games. But we got to roll. Yeah. But, Gary, hey, thanks for joining me as always. Have a great weekend. And we'll be back on Monday. Maybe we can talk Monday more about the X's and O's of the Saints-Falcons games next Sunday. Sure. Thanks for having me on the show. All right. Thank you. That was Gary. So we're going to finish the show with Danny Brewer, who uh, we get to talk college football as well as pro football, a horse race. The fairgrounds open today. I'll be there tomorrow afternoon. After the LSU show, we're going to do Bengals and Bruce Breakfast with the Bayou Bengals, of course. But we're live here for me and Nissan for one more segment talking Saints football in the red zone. Uh, 12th season here, 6636 Veterans Boulevard, where Metairie meets Kenner. We'll be back right after these messages. Mitch Gibbs here, host of In the Red Zone in our 12th season for LA Medical Management Corporation, located at 2930 Canal Boulevard, New Orleans, Louisiana. And they are open Monday through Thursdays, 8.30 to 5.30 p.m. and Fridays, 8 to 5 p.m. At LMMC, they handle primary care, physical therapy, and diagnostic testing. With medical doctors on staff, they are the personal injury specialists and the leaders in accident-related health care. Call them today at 504-821-2574. Before you pay that other pest control company their, quote, home of the $650 termite treatment protection plan, call DA. I'm Jed Derensburg with DA Exterminating, and I bet we can beat that price. We offer different treatment methods featuring the Centricon bait system, and we have one of the best termite protection plans in the country. Before you pay $650 to another company, call DA. New Orleans Metro area, North Shore, and Homer. DA Exterminating, complete pest and termite control services since 1959. Call 800-650-PEST. The following is a paid endorsement. He's a man of integrity. Who wants to be attorney? 
Choosing your attorney can be a life-changing decision. Chip Forstall has over 28 years of experience, giving you the personal attention that you need. If you or a loved one has been injured, you need a lawyer to protect you, your family, and work to get compensation for your injuries. Contact the law office of Chip Forstall today, located at 320 North Carrollton Avenue, New Orleans, or call us at 483-3400. That's 483-3400. Or log on to www.chipforstall.com today. You need caring, aggressive, and effective representation. You need personal attention. You need Chip Forstall. Are you suffering from neck and back pain from a recent car accident? Have you gone to the emergency room to have them tell you there's nothing wrong? Hi, I'm Dr. Steven Tremuda with Doctors Rehab Services, and chiropractic care is one of the best remedies for whiplash and soft tissue injuries. With locations in Kenner, Mid-City, and the West Bank, it's easy to start your road to recovery. At Doctors Rehab Service, we'll even do all the work with your insurance company and attorney to get you the care you really need. For a free consultation or to get more information, call Doctors Rehab Services at 504-465-5553. Call me, Dr. T. At Fidelity Bank, some of our clients say here for good in Spanish. Estamos aquí para quedarnos. Some say it in French. Ici pour de bon. Vietnamese. Aray, my, my. And even Italian. Free per siempre. Because here for good means we're local and committed to our uniquely diverse South Louisiana community. Come see what a difference a local bank can make. Since 1908, here for good. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Live for the uh, final se segment of the show here. And I want to thank uh, my guest, of course, Nathan Tape, the director of Off Ramp with New Orleans Film Festival. Uh, Ann Warnassar, who's executive director of the LPO. They got all the great holiday concerts. Go to the website, lpo.org for that. Scott Shanley, ex-Saint Super Bowl champion and a corn husker at Nebraska. Gary Smith with The Advocate. And my last guest, uh, who I saw at the Breeders' Cup in beautiful Pasadena, California, a little bit uh, east of Los Angeles. Uh, Danny Brewer with HorseRacingScoop.com. So, Danny, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Oh, happy to be there, Mitch. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm getting ready to roll out of here. We got, we got one of these fundraisers I got to attend, you know. And but uh, I want to ask you know the fairgrounds open today. I'm gonna I'm gonna go tomorrow. Couldn't make it today, but uh, they open uh, today. They're gonna run tomorrow. Then they're gonna be back for Thanksgiving weekend, starting traditionally on Thanksgiving. So um, I know you're a big fan of the fairgrounds. I know you're gonna try to come come hang out with me here in New Orleans at some point during the racing season. So. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, you've had a few weeks to digest the Breeders' Cup, and uh, and all that stuff. So, what what are you what are your thoughts on the state of horse racing right now? I mean, I think horse racing is the greatest sport in the world. I don't think that's changed at all. You know, there, there are certain things that people. You know, I'm I'm not a big mudslinger. I'm not a rock thrower. I think that all sports have things that need to be better in them. Uh, the horse racing is one of those. But I think that, unfortunately, what happens is you don't have the good things don't get the publicity like the bad things do. You know yourself, Mitch, if you walk to the backside and you see how those horses are cared for and treated and all that kind of stuff, and it, 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 it's a first-class operation. The horse comes first in most all barns. You know, it's one of those things where I think horse racing is the greatest sport in the world, and that, in my mind, has not changed. Yeah, um, I, you know, I go sometimes 
to the backstretch in the morning at the fairgrounds, and there's a lot of great people. You can hang out at the Cat Horseman's Cafeteria there and talk to the people. You're right. They take great care of those horses. There's no question about that. And we've got a lot of good, great races still coming up before the end of the year, because I know the Eclipse Awards will be coming up in January. And uh, so the, those, those trainers want to get their, their horse one more race to try to make an argument for uh, whatever, you know, whatever category they might be. And I hope Cody's Wish wins Horse of the Year. I think that horse deserves it. It's only, I think, lost one race this year, and it was brilliant. What a great finish. And, and, and you know, it was so bittersweet because Cody's Wish wins a race, and the little boy, Cody, is there, and he passes away a couple of days later. I mean, it was just, it was sad, but it was also a beautiful thing that he was still around to see Cody's Wish repeat in the Breeders' Cup Mile. So I think of stories like that, 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 do, that do get good attention and even more attention. Absolutely right. Go to horsefishingscoop.com. You can read a wonderful story about Cody's Wish and what you exactly talked about, and it's the omens of horse racing and the faith that it all brings to all of us. So, yes, go to horsefishingscoop.com, and we've got a wonderful Cody's Wish story on there. I agree with you. I think he should be Horse of the Year. He will get my Eclipse Award vote for Horse of the Year. The uh, Clark Handicap is next Friday at Churchill Downs. I'll be there, grade two. They've got a couple of stakes races on the on the card there at Churchill Downs. So I'll be at Churchill Downs next Friday. So you're right. There's still a lot of good racing on the calendar. Yeah, and they all, they, yeah, the uh, the Churchill has that great uh, stakes weekend. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving weekend, a lot of great races. Like you said, the Clark, for example, a lot. Of, I think the Florida Lee maybe that weekend as well. So there's a lot of now the good Florida Lee's one they run. The, the Florida Lee they they run in, in the summer. The Chaluki they're running. This weekend, the Chalukis uh, is right. Um, what's yeah, the uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the, in the summer? The mare's horse, the race for the Phillies and mare's race. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, one, yes. Okay, so that one, yeah, I, I got my uh, scare. But anyway, um, let me ask you too. Let's move on because I know you do college football as well, and the the le- the latest rankings came out. I know a lot of people have said, "What does it really matter now?" I mean, if you've got a chance to play a team above you, you have a chance to win your conference championship, you can get in the mix even if you're not in the top four. And, you know, the the teams they're talking about, of course, are those Pac-12 teams like Washington and Oregon, for example, Alabama, Georgia. I know you follow the SEC. I don't think Alabama can beat Georgia. I think Georgia – I really think Georgia's going to win three in a row. I know the only thing to me that can beat Georgia is themselves – and in in history, right? So what are your thoughts on where we are with the college football play? This will be the last year, of course, as you know, Danny, with only four teams. And I want to get your thoughts on it because I don't think – I think it should be eight, not 12. So what do you think about that? Uh, Yeah, you know, I think think an eight-team playoff is good. The thing that I don't want the playoff to do is destroy the bowl games because to me the college bowl games are one of the most wonderful things, you know, in the sport of college football. And so – uh, I think that Georgia is a very good football team. They play Tennessee this week in Knoxville. Here's the thing about the SEC, and Mitch, you know this as well as anybody. You can never count anyone out when it comes to this league. It's so balanced. There's so much talent. Just when you want to write somebody off or one, when you want to anoint someone, somebody sneaks up on them or somebody steps up. So it's one of those things where I think that, that Georgia will be a prohibitive favorite, but – they still got some games to play. You're right. And uh, let's give Hugh Freeze credit because he's done a great job at Auburn. Because I remember Hugh Freeze, and you were there at media days, and Hugh Freeze is like, uh, you know, uh, man, I don't know. It's going to take some time. 
He's done a good job in his first year. But I want to ask you too about Mississippi State because there's a lot of rumors about, uh, you know, Tulane's having another great year. I don't know if they're going to get in a in a in a New Year's Six because they've got to win out, which is possible. But Willie Fritz' name's been mentioned a lot with the Mississippi State job, and I think it would be a great fit for him. I think he should do it because, you know, you get into the SEC, and uh, I think it's a great opportunity. What are you hearing about that? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know that much about the Mississippi State stuff, but I will say this. Anytime you step into this league, you have to be prepared because, yes, it can catapult you to superstardom, but also – it can lead you to the electric chair, too. You know, you have to be careful about that kind of stuff and be careful what you wish for. The competition is so tough, and everyone wants to win so bad. Now, here's the thing about college football these days. The transfer portal has changed everything. So now it's kind of like the NFL. You could be, uh, you know, cellar-dweller one year and at the, in the penthouse the next because if you, if you get some players – and it's just like free agency almost, you know. I mean, I, I don't like it. I'm yeah. against it personally. But that's how it is. That's the state of the game these days. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and those games have to be played on the field. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be interesting. It's great for sports talk. That's a good thing about this whole thing. Anyway, I just think they should aid us a better. But I know it's money involved and all that good stuff. But anyway, hey, uh, Danny, it's always a pleasure. It's great seeing you in Pasadena for the Breeders' Cup. Hopefully we can – We'll hook up either in New Orleans or somewhere else. Um, but uh, I always appreciate your contributions, whether it's horse racing or college sports or even pro sports. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Mitch, appreciate it as always. Call me anytime. All right, thank. Take care, man. Hey, thanks. That was Danny Brewer. Uh, always great to have him on. I want to thank our great guests again, Nathan Tape, the director of Off Ramp, New Orleans Film Festival, Anwar Nassar with the LPO Executive Director, Scott Shanley, ex-Saint Super Bowl champion with the Nebraska Corn Oscars, Gary Smith with the Advocate, Danny Brew with HorseRacingScoop.com, Jack back in the studio. I want to thank, of course, Donald and Craig Collins here at Premier Nissan. We're going to be back on Monday here live here. We'll be on tomorrow, of course, to talk LSU football at the Silver Slipper tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 in basic list. But also Monday, before we take our Thanksgiving break, we'll be back here live at Premier East on 6636 Veterans Boulevard to talk Saints, Falcons, X and O. So say along and listen. Just have a great, safe weekend, and we will talk to you tomorrow and Monday. Mitch Gibbs here, host of In the Red Zone in our 12th season for LA Medical Management Corporation, located at 2930 Canal Boulevard, New Orleans, Louisiana. And they are open Monday through Thursdays, 8.30 to 5.30 p.m. and Fridays, 8 to 5 p.m. At LMMC, they handle primary care, physical therapy, and diagnostic testing. With medical doctors on staff, they are the personal injury specialists and the leaders in accident-related health care. Call them today at 504-821-2574. The following is a paid endorsement. He's a man of integrity. Choosing your attorney can be a life-changing decision. Chip Forstall has over 28 years of experience, giving you the personal attention that you need. If you or a loved one has been injured, you need a lawyer to protect you, your family, and work to get compensation for your injuries. Contact the law office of Chip Forstall today, located at 320 North Carrollton Avenue, New Orleans, or call us at 483-3400. That's 483-3400. Or log on to www.chipforstall.com. 
www.chipforstall.com today. You need caring, aggressive, and effective representation. You need personal attention. You need Chip Forstall. Chip At Fidelity Bank, some of our clients say here for good in Spanish. Estamos aquí para quedarnos. Some say it in French. Ici pour de bon. Vietnamese. my mind. And even Italian. Qui per sempre. Because here for good means we're local and committed to our uniquely diverse South Louisiana community. Come see what a difference a local bank can make. Since 1908, here for good. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Anytime, anywhere. Smartphone, tune-in radio app, WGSO.com. On the AM dial at 990, we are WGSO New Orleans.